Well, amen. It's good to be in the Lord's house today and to have each one of you with us. A few things from the bulletin as we start. Uh, ladies meeting coming up uh, this Thursday night, 7 o'clock, uh, here at Fellowship Hall. So ladies, encourage you to be here for that. Uh, patch program next Sunday afternoon in our afternoon service. 
Uh, so be prepared there. Uh, Fall Praise Festival coming up October 29th. We'll be going out to the Foster Farm and we'll start around 4.30. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet on the back table. Uh, and so if you can look that over, uh, teen fundraiser on October 30th, helping raise money for camp and other activities. Uh, ladies Thanksgiving, November 5th. And then uh, daylight savings time, probably gonna be the last time in Kansas uh, where we fall back. So I'm looking forward to falling back one last time. Uh, and then we have uh, Brother Martin Kuhn going to be with us for our Veterans Day service on November the 13th. From the prayer area over there, I ask that you remember to pray for all these that are listed here. And uh, would also remember to pray uh, for Nathan Knudsen as he recovers from his knee surgery. I know that you would appreciate those prayers. And Marty Bush looking forward to uh, having his other knee replaced. Pray for him also. Good to be in the Lord's house today. God bless you for being here. Going to have Brother Foster come a song, and then we'll get to our Sunday. Christ is all I need. Number one. Lesson number two, we do have new handouts. Didn't get one. You raise your hand. All right. Brother Bob, would you be willing to help us out with getting those? Keep your hands raised. I think Brother Potts has got them. There we go. All right. While you're waiting for that, you can be turning in your Bibles to John chapter 12, and we'll be looking at verses 24 through 26. All right, we're in the series, It's Not What You Think. There's a lot of things in the Bible that uh, as we see the truth presented to us and the principle of it, that it's uh, when we would present that to an, a lost person, they would say that just isn't possible, that doesn't seem right, but in God's realm it is right. And today we're looking at uh, this topic of death brings life. Death brings life. And, you know, that's contrary. Death and life are contrary terms. So how can death bring life? Well, we're going to look at that today and understand how death brings life in the Christian's life. 
most people in this life would set this as their goal to live life to its fullest. God also wants us to experience a full life, fuller in fact than we would ever dream. But the path to this full, abundant life is different from what we assume. And you could ask and you could uh, interview many people today and ask them what would be fulfilling in their life and you would get various answers to it. But God has a, a solution for us and He has a plan for us that will give us the fullest life possible. While the world tells us to live for this life and to promote ourselves and to serve our self-interests, the Bible teaches us to live for the next life and to serve Christ. So in this lesson, we're going to learn how true, abundant life can only be found in death to self. So as we think of this word death, we associate it negatively. Uh, Death brings loss and sometimes loss of dear ones to us. But in our text, however, that we're going to read here in just a moment, the Lord speaks of a different kind of death, a death that produces life. We might call it a death to self or a death to self-life. Like other passages we are looking at in this study, Christ calls uh, Christians to die to self, and it's the opposite of how we normally view our lives. We are born selfish and hopefully will outgrow a childish focus on self, but without the death to self that Christ calls us to, we still make our goals and dreams revolve around ourselves. Our self-interest drives us to put our highest priorities on chasing the fulfillment of our desires whether that be fame, material success, outside approval, or any number of other self-focused dreams we may embrace. As we think about our society today, we have uh, social media and the proliferation of smartphones have arguably facilitated the promotion of self-life. They have also given rise to the notorious selfie. How many of you have had to walk around people as they're taking selfies of themselves? And it's going on everywhere around us. Selfies have become a normal part of life, but some people have gotten so caught up into it uh, for that perfect selfie that they have done it to the peril of their lives. I'm sure you've heard news stories of this, that people have died because of uh, trying to take these dangerous selfies. In September 2018, an Israeli teenager, Tomar Frankfurter, died in California's Yosemite National Park after falling 250 meters while trying to take a selfie. And he is not alone. According to the BBC report, a global study revealed 259 deaths from the quest for the extreme selfie between 2011 and 2017. Researchers at the U.S. National Library of Medicine have even recommended that no selfie zones be instituted at dangerous zones such as mountaintops, tall buildings, and lakes where many of the deaths have occurred. Uh, So it's no doubt that people are focused on themselves, and uh, we see that prevalent in our society today. Not every desire we have is wrong, though. And death to self is not a blanket denial of all personal pursuits, but our natural orientation is self-focused. And I think we would all agree with that, that we have to fight the that self-interest and that self-preservation that is within us because of our fallen nature. But our natural orientation is self-focused, and without choosing to follow Christ's call to die to self, we will spend our lives on self-centered, short-lived goals. So when self-gratification is our end goal, we realize that the pleasure it brings is short-lived. When we live solely for ourselves, we end up in a restless pursuit of that which cannot 
satisfy. And that's what we see all around us. And you, I'm sure many of us could testify of those pursuits that we've had in our lives that just don't satisfy. In contrast, our Lord gives an illustration of death to self through the simple object all of us can understand. And it's seed, and seen in this passage, John chapter 12 and verse 24, speaking of a seed and its harvest. So let's join me there if you would. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. So Christ tells us here in this passage that a life with lasting purpose must involve death, death to ourselves. Christ's death brought glory to God through bringing salvation to all mankind. His physical death reaped an eternal harvest. And He tells us that this earthly life is not about living for self, but rather living for Christ. Yet, we can only live for Christ when we first die to self. So our self has to get out of the way in order to live for Christ. We were made to be empty channels through which Christ can manifest Himself until we are emptied of ourselves, our ambition, pride, and desires, we can never live for the Lord. When we die to ourselves, we begin living for something greater, and that is an eternal cause. To experience any of the blessings of this Christ life, however, we must first understand how to, we establish a relationship with Christ through eternal life. And as it turns out, receiving eternal life also requires death. So let's look at this today. Eternal life, first of all, that's our first point. Eternal life. You're probably familiar with the saying that death is the great equalizer, and that is true. The rich and the poor become equal in death. The achievements of this life, fame, money, accolades, and academic feats, world records, and corporate success only go as far as the grave. We came into this world with nothing and we'll leave this world with nothing. But God created us with an eternal soul, and we will live somewhere in heaven or hell for all of eternity. Heaven is a place of eternal life, and hell is a place of eternal death. When we receive the Lord as our Savior, He gives us eternal life. And this is what Jesus described in verse 25 of our text when He says this, He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it, unto life eternal. As sinners, we are headed for death and destruction. There's nothing good in us, the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that we have all sinned against our Creator God and deserve death. Uh, verses you're very familiar with, Romans 3.23, tells us, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 goes on to say, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Christ came into this world to redeem us with His precious blood and pave the way for reconciliation and eternal life in heaven with Him. Romans 5, 8, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John three fifteen through 17 That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. 1 Timothy 2, 4. Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth? For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave Himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. This is incredible news. This is, we can be reconciled to God and receive eternal life through Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that this salvation is a gift, not something we earn, but it's something God is offering to us as a free gift if we'll only accept it. We receive it by recognizing our sinful condition and calling out uh, to Jesus Christ for salvation. In fact, when we put our faith in Christ for our salvation, we begin to enjoy the blessings of eternal life now in our current earthly life. With an offer this good, why doesn't everyone receive the eternal life that Christ has purchased? One of the reasons many people have not received eternal life is because they are unwilling to give up their own idea or their own belief about how to obtain salvation. I'm sure we've experienced witnessing to people and their different ideas about uh, how they believe that you can attain salvation. Maybe you've heard some of these. I hear what you're saying, but I think, or but my church teaches. I just don't believe a loving God would send people to hell. I believe that all religions lead to the same place. I've been religious all my life, and I believe in God, so that should be enough. There's a distinct problem in each of those statements. And the problem with all of these uh, is that God is the one who has determined how we get salvation. He has determined how we receive eternal life, not us. It's not up to us to decide. He's already planned it out, so we have to follow His plan. If we clung to our own ideas when God has specifically revealed something different in His Word, we can't receive His gift of eternal life. Until a person is willing to set aside the pride, self-righteousness, or unbelief keeping him from receiving Christ, he will not be saved. Salvation cannot come without a change in belief. A, a person must recognize that he is a sinner and on his way to hell and in need of redemption through Jesus Christ to be saved. Remember the story of the thief on the cross? He was literally hours from hell and eternal death, but he had a change of belief, and that changed his eternal destination. If you would turn with me to Luke chapter 23, we'll look at this story. He died to his old way of thinking and trusted Christ. Luke chapter 23 and verse 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. So what a difference. A change of belief made in the life of this thief on the cross. The unrepentant thief held to his unbelief in Christ and thus went to a Christless lake of fire. The repentant thief placed his faith in Christ and is now enjoying eternity in heaven. These were two people in the same situation, but they made two different choices. 
and are experiencing two different eternal outcomes. So what made the difference? A change in thinking about who Jesus is and a belief in Him for salvation. John 14, 6 tells us this fact and this truth, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So this truth of dying to our own ideas is what the Bible calls repentance. Repentance involves a change of mind that leads to a change of action. Repentance and faith are actually two sides of the same coin. We turn from what we believed and put our trust in what Jesus did. Acts 3.19 calls us to this repentance. He says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And then later on in the same book, Acts chapter 20 and verse 21, testifying both of the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. So God has made salvation so simple that even a child can understand it. But those who insist on obtaining salvation through their own methods or their own ideas or their own efforts will not have it. Eternal life is available to all, but only those who believe God's way to heaven and die to their own way of thinking. These will actually receive Him. 1 John 5, 12, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Of course, those of us who have already accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior by placing our faith in Him should invest our lives in sharing the gospel with others. Some never set aside their mistaken beliefs because they simply have not heard the truth of the gospel. It's our responsibility to tell them. So let's be sure to share with others the reality that Christ died for them. He died for their sins and they only have to put their faith in Him to receive eternal life. So we see here that Christ's death is the doorway to eternal life. To receive Christ as our Savior, we must die to our way of thinking. After we receive Christ as Savior, He invites us to die to our selfish way of living. So we see how we obtain eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. But now, as, as we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, He's calling us now to live a life for Him, and that life is to be a fruitful life. Isn't it amazing how much fruit can come from one seed? Yesterday we went to an apple orchard because I like the apple cider donuts. So I wanted some of those, so uh, we took a trip to, uh, and to, got some of those donuts, and we got to see a lot of the apple trees, and we saw the fruit of the seed that was planted in the ground, and there were many, many apples uh, there. So it's amazing to see how we can plant one seed and get so much fruit from it. As the old saying goes, you can count the seeds in the apple, but you can't count the apples in the seed. This multiplication is what Jesus was referring to in John 12, 24, where He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. One tiny seed can yield many pieces of fruit. But how much fruit will grow from a seed that is not planted? Zero. And so it is in our lives. If we don't die to self, we will remain fruitless. We don't know what a seed planted will do in the life of an individual. And only when we get to heaven will we see what our, what our efforts have produced. Unfortunately, we often think wrongly about dying to self. 
Instead of seeing death to self as the opportunity for God's great work in us, we see it as miserable and burdensome. It's as if we assume that when we yield ourselves to God, He is going to make our lives difficult. But in reality, when we give up our will and seek God's, we discover that He blesses us with a fruitful life, the kind of life He created us to experience. This doesn't mean there will be no burdens or difficulties, but it does mean that God will bring from our lives fruit that glorifies Him and makes an eternal difference. So what does it mean to die to self? The answer to that question has two sides. The first being this, die to the flesh and self-centeredness. How many of you struggle with that? Don't raise your hand. I'll, I'll raise my hand, but how many of us struggle with that on a daily basis? Dying to the flesh and self-centeredness. In a world where so many people are looking out for themselves, many Christians fall into that same trap. Living for themselves, living for number one. But the selfish life is the fleshly life. And our flesh resists the spiritual life. Galatians 5.17 tells us of this war within us. It says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But the Bible tells us that the flesh profits nothing. In John 6, 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Fleshly living doesn't bring the results that God desires. And it doesn't bring the results that we believe it will in the moment we give into it. James 1.20 says, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So the flesh and self-centeredness is contrary to God's will for your life. So when, what then is the solution for our flesh? Well, simply as we must die to it. The Bible tells us that when we trusted Christ as our Savior, our obligation to live according to our old nature died. We were no longer bound to it. And we now have Christ living in us and willing to live His life through us. Galatians 2.20 tells us of this new life in Christ. It says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. So this is the new life that we have been called to live. That we are to live according to God's will and live by faith of the Son of God. But our flesh still tempts us to live for ourselves instead of for Christ. Our daily choice then is to recognize that our flesh has no power over us unless we allow it to. And like a seed, die to our selfish fleshly desires so we can live for Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 31 says, I protest by your rejoicing which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. We must recognize every day of our life that we must die to our selfish nature and allow ourselves then to be filled up with the Spirit of God and to follow Him and His leading and His will for our life. So we need to say no to the flesh time and again, and it is a constant daily battle we must fight with tenacity if we are to live fruitful spiritual lives. Thankfully, this isn't a battle that we fight alone. So we must die to flesh and self-centeredness. The second part of this is allow Christ to produce His fruit in you. So you've got to do the first part in order for the second part to take place. 
Just as the flesh is incapable of living the spiritual life on its own, so we cannot bear spiritual fruit in our own strength. To be effective in our Christian walk and in our ministry for the Lord, we need to abide in Christ and allow Him to produce fruit in our lives. John 15 verse 4 says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that, he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. So when we consider this thought, our flesh doesn't want to do what God instructs us to do. In our flesh, we find it difficult to get up early and spend time in God's Word, to share the gospel with someone who we think may reject it, or to serve others. This is why it is important to recognize that we cannot live the spiritual life in our flesh. We must rely on the power of Christ working in us. When we trusted Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit came in to indwell us. He now gives us the power to deny the flesh and its temptations and live for Him. So our daily choice then is to yield to the Spirit of God and His control in our lives so He can produce fruit in us. What is this fruit He's desiring to produce? Well, let's look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 and let's consider the fruit of the Spirit of God. So this is the fruit that He desires to produce in you. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. He wants you to produce love in your life, and not the kind of love that the world defines, but the kind of love that comes from God. Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. As we consider that list of the fruit of the Spirit, we understand that none of those are derived from our flesh. <laughs> we cannot produce any of those of our flesh. They only come from the Spirit of God living in us and us dying to self and allowing Him to fill our lives with this fruit. Rosalind Goforth, wife of the great missionary to China, Jonathan Goforth, told the story. That's a good last name for a missionary, isn't it? Goforth. She told the story of God helping her to see the importance of death to self so that life uh, of Christ could flow through her and be seen in the lives of those around her, or others could see it in her. One day, I can never forget it, as I sat inside the house by a paper window at dusk, two Chinese women sat down on the other side. They began talking about me. And, wrongly no doubt, I listened to what they had to say. One said, yes, she was a hard worker, a zealous preacher, and yes, dearly loves us, but oh, what a temper she has. If she would only live more as she preaches. Then followed a full and true delineation of my life and character. So true indeed was it as to crush out all sense of annoyance and leave me humbled to the dust. I saw then how useless, how worse than useless was it for me to come to China to preach Christ and not live Christ. I knew I loved Christ, and again and again I had proved my willingness to give up all for His sake. But I knew too that one hot flash of temper with these Chinese or with the children before the Chinese would largely undo weeks, perhaps months, of self-sacrificing service. 
The Lord helped Rosalind to understand the truths we've looked at in this lesson about dying to self and allowing Christ to live in us. She wrote this, At last I realized that Jesus Christ was actually and literally within me. I stopped amazed. How blind I had been. I saw at last the secret of victory. It was simply Jesus Christ Himself. His own life lived out in the believer. This made a tremendous difference in her life, and from then on she saw a new fruit in her ministry with the Chinese people. So when we live in the flesh, we actually repel people from Christ because we fail to practice what we preach. But when we crucify the flesh and allow Christ to live through us, the Holy Spirit uses us to draw people to Jesus Christ. This is the way to a fruitful life. This is what God calls us to. So we see eternal life. We see a fruitful life. And then lastly, we see an honored life. Many things may come to your mind when we think about honorable people. We usually think of those in leadership positions or with great authority. We hold people in high regard because of their great achievements or powerful status. But the most honorable person who ever lived on this earth was the Lord Jesus Christ. He taught us an opposite reality about honor. In verse 26 of our text, Jesus taught that the humble servant of Christ is honored by the only one whose honor matters, and that is our Heavenly Father. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my Father honor. So the honor of the Father is the highest level of honor man could ever receive. In this verse, Jesus gives us two keys to receiving the Father's honor. Follow Christ and serve Him. Both require death to self. So we see, die to self and choose to follow. You must die to self and choose to follow. Christ calls us to obey Him, and we saw that in the last lesson, trust and obey. And He provided an example for us in what uh, we are to live here on this earth. He always and completely did the will of the Father. In John 6, 38, He says, For I came from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of Him that sent me. So He's showing us the example. We are to live for our Heavenly Father. Christ was obedient in doing the will of His Father all the way to the cross. Philippians 2.8 says, And being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So He calls us also to die to ourselves and to follow Him. Matthew 6.24 tells us, If any man will come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. So are you... What honor are you seeking today? Are you seeking the honor and praise of men? Living for man's approval? Comes in many shapes. Sometimes it's a consuming desire for the praise and acceptance of one person. A parent, a boss, or someone you admire. Other times it is a consuming desire for the praise of all people. Seeking fame through an achievement or an accomplishment. Those are things we should not be living for. Earthly esteem will never satisfy you. It is fleeting elusive, and ultimately unprofitable. Seek the honor of the Father. Follow Him and His plan for your life. So we are to die to self and choose to follow. Lastly, we are to die to self and choose to serve. A choice to follow Christ is a choice to serve Christ. 
Of course, serving Christ is done by serving others. Matthew 23, 11 tells us this, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Matthew 20, 28 goes on to say, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. So this choice that we have before us, to die to self and to choose to serve to choose to serve Christ is a choice that God himself honors. Luke 18 verse 28 says, Then Peter said, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come, life everlasting. Hebrews 6.10 goes on with this thought. It says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward His name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. God sees all that we do. And God certainly sees when we sacrifice and die out to ourselves and choose to serve Him with our lives. The great men and women of this world are not those who can throw a basketball through a hoop or make a touchdown. They are not those who have achieved fame or worldly success. The great men and women of this world are those who serve the Lord Jesus Christ. They die to self and live for the cause of Christ and for others. These are the people upon whom God bestows honor. So who is God calling you to serve? And how will you die to self to serve by serving Him? To be saved, you must die to your own way of believing. To be fruitful, you must die to your own way of living. To be honored, you must die to your own way of satisfying. The story I'm about to share illustrates the dedication of a soldier for his country and fellow American comrades. He was honored as a hero because he was willing to give his life for his country. And September 29, 2006 was the day that forever changed Petty Officer 2nd Class Michael Monsoor's life. The Navy SEAL, along with two other SEALs, was in a sniper position on a rooftop in Ramadi, Iraq. In an operation to rid enemy fighters, suddenly a grenade from nowhere flew into his location and bounced off his chest, landing in an area that could have potentially killed or gravely wounded all three SEAL snipers. Acting out of instinct, Mansour jumped on the grenade to protect his fellow soldiers. He recognized immediately the threat. Yelled, Grenade! And due to the fact that two other SEAL snipers, our brothers, could not possibly escape the blast, he chose to smother it with his body, absorbed the impact, and lost his life in the process, said Lieutenant Commander Seth Stone, Monsieur's platoon commander. Monsieur did not die immediately. It was an agonizing 30 minutes before the blast killed him. His two comrades suffered shrapnel wounds but survived. Stone said he essentially saved the Navy SEALs on the rooftop and three Iraqi soldiers who were there. On April 8, 2008, President Bush presented Monsieur's parents with a posthumous medal of honor. Say it for me, Alice. Posthumous medal of honor. How do you say it? Posthumous. Thank you. For their son and White House ceremony. He quoted one of the SEALs saved by Monsieur. Uh, Mikey looked death in the face that death and that day and said, You cannot take my brothers. I will go in their stead. 
one individual decided to give his life so that others could live. When a person dies to his own beliefs and embraces the truth of the gospel, he receives eternal life. When a Christian dies to his own comforts and conveniences and lets Christ live through him, he bears fruit that remains. So we have questions before us today. Do you want eternal life? Hopefully you've already accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You must die to your pride and unbelief of the gospel and trust Christ as your Savior. Embrace the truth of the Lord Jesus. Do you want your life to count? Do you want to make a difference in the lives of others? Do you want to bear fruit? Then the answer is die to self. Do you want to be honored by God? Do you want to stand before Him and hear Him say, Well done? Do you want to see Him do exceeding and abundant things through you? Die to self. It's the opposite of how we think. The fact that it's living for Christ is this, that we must understand that death, death to self, brings life. And if we want to produce fruit in our lives, we must die to self. And I hope that's our desire and what we would seek to do with our lives, that we would die out to ourselves, sacrificing our lives to Him, that He might work through us, that we would have an impact on this world that so desperately needs to know Jesus Christ, our Savior, and they need to understand that they can have eternal life through Jesus Christ as well. Heavenly Father, we're thankful today for Your goodness to us. We're thankful for these truths that You present to us and understanding how we can live a life and and how we are to live a life and have an abundant life that's only found in Jesus Christ as our Savior. And Father, as we have accepted Jesus into our life through belief in the gospel and faith in what Jesus Christ has done, I pray that we would continually now die to ourselves on a daily basis, that we would allow Christ to use an empty vessel and fill us with your Holy Spirit, that the fruit of the Spirit would be evidenced in our lives, that others would be impacted by the influence that you produce in us. And Father, I pray that you would just work in us Give us opportunities to witness and to share the truth of Jesus Christ with others that we might see fruit abound uh, for your honor and for your glory. While we pray now you'd speak with us now in the service to follow, that we would be open and receptive to what you have for us. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your kind attention. You have about 15 minutes and we'll meet right back in here for the worship hour.